Welcome to AUSA's Army Matters Podcast, focusing on what's important to the total Army community. We bring vital Army conversations and interviews on issues relevant to soldiers, military families, and all of you amazing Army supporters. Rotating each week, our show includes Soldier Today, Army Real Talk, Family Voices, and Thought Leaders. Let's tune into the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Holly Daly, and welcome to the AUSA's Army Matters Family Voices podcast. In line with AUSA's overall mission to educate, inform, and connect, the AUSA Family Readiness Directorate is dedicated to providing all our Army families the tools, resources, and connections needed to manage the ins and outs of their military life journey. In support of our mission, we are happy to welcome Lieutenant Colonel Chris Ellison and Ms. Ann Morse from the Defense Health Agency's Immunization Healthcare Division. Also with us is Mr. Jeremy Schneider from TRICARE Policy and Programs. Thank you all for joining us today on Family Voices. To get started, Lieutenant Colonel Ellison, would you mind telling our listeners a bit about yourself? Sure, Holly. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Christopher Ellison. I'm the Deputy Chief for Operations at the Immunization Healthcare Division for the Defense Health Agency. I'm a pharmacist with a Doctor of Pharmacy degree and a board-certified pharmacotherapy specialist. I've been in the Army for over 17 years now and have been at DHA for going on four years. And I'm the uniform lead for the DOD's SLU program every year. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel Ellison, and thank you sincerely for your service. Ms. Morris, would you also kindly tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Sure, Holly. My name is Ann Morris. I'm a family nurse practitioner with the Immunization Healthcare Division. I've been a practicing nurse for too many years to discuss, and I've been a nurse practitioner for 20-plus years, being with the DHA for over 17 years, handling multiple vaccine questions, concerns, reactions for all age groups. We have a 24-7 support line center that's answered worldwide. We also assist with research, educational teams, working in the travel clinic, immunization, and allergy clinics, along with teaching our immunization lifelong leadership courses. So there's a lot of education and training and clinical care going on here. Thank you, Ms. Marsh, for sharing all your years of your professional and volunteer journey. And Mr. Schneider, would you mind telling our listeners a bit about yourself? Thank you, ma'am. My name is Jeremy Schneider. I'm a program analyst with the TRICARE Health Plan, part of the policy and program section, which oversees the administration of the TRICARE benefit. I've been a proud member of the military health system and the analyst and managed care arena since 2004, previously serving with the Army Medical Command in Europe before joining the Defense Health Agency here in Virginia in 2018. Thank you, Mr. Schneider, and thank you for your years of dedication to the military health system. So if you don't mind, let's kick off our discussion with COVID-19. To you, Ms. Morse, why is it important to receive the COVID vaccine? And what do you say for those who have received natural immunity through experiencing COVID? Those are really important questions. So let's start off with the importance of the COVID vaccine. Back in 2020, when the pandemic first started, the only guidance people were able to give to the general population was to protect themselves by doing social isolation, wearing masks, hand washing. At this point, many businesses and jobs were shut down, activities were turned off. 
But research continued because we had already had prior SARS virus data from previous viruses, a vaccine quickly became available within the year. And this vaccine has turned into three different vaccines. And based on our past pandemic events from, say, when we had smallpox and polio and flu pandemic in 2009, we have identified that vaccines are extremely important in helping slow down or even eradicate an illness at that time. As I said, today we have three COVID vaccines available in the United States. Pfizer is currently licensed for those 16 years and older, but has EUA authorization, which is emergency use authorization, in children and teens. Moderna and Janssen's vaccine are still under the EUA authorization. It's really important for people to start if not complete their COVID vaccinations, because this will help reduce the spread of the disease. It'll also protect your health and that of your loved ones, especially if they can't get the vaccines. And it will also help protect your friends and coworkers. According to the CDC, the COVID-19 vaccines are effective at helping protect against severe disease and death, including the variant of the viruses specifically the Delta variant. Now, as far as those who have questions on the natural immunity, this is a frequently asked question. Current CDC interim guidelines does not recommend the use of antibody testing to assess for the vaccine or to assess for the SARS-CoV-2 immunity. We can use the antibody test to detect the presence of the disease or even to show that you may have antibodies but they really can't say whether it's the disease or the vaccine because these tests vary in sensitivity, specificity, and a positive versus a negative predictive value. And many of the serology correlations for the level of protection have not been established yet. Antibody testing has not evaluated the cellular immune response. So we can't use this in our decision-making process on whether or not we should get the vaccine. I wanted to give your listeners a current U.S. epidemiology analysis of patients who had COVID-19 illness or had the vaccination within 90 to 179 days of a hospitalization. There they tested to check on the immunity status, which was more protective, natural immunity or those that got a vaccine and then had the disease also. And this study concluded that all eligible persons should be vaccinated against COVID-19, including those that were unvaccinated or even those that had had the SARS disease because they had better immunity. We've also been given questions on the side effects from the vaccine. And as with any drug or a vaccine, you have normal immune responses that show up. Common ones include site reactions, redness, itching, lymph node swelling under your arms, fevers, headaches, joint pain, nausea, fatigue. And these reactions can start the day of the vaccination or they may show up within one or two days and last up to seven days. They can be treated with over-the-counter, the NSAIDs like Motrin, ibuprofen. You can also use Tylenol. Or if you itch, you can use your Claritin, Allegra, Benadryl, anything like that, as long as it's approved by your doctors. 
but it's important to note that these common side effects are not a contraindication to future doses. Each clinic is also responsible for giving you a vaccine information safety sheet or the EUA fact sheet, and it's going to list what the vaccine does, what it's for, and what all side effects are normal or common side effects, and which ones are not, and when to seek care. Now, remember, deferral of a vaccine for those people who are experiencing an acute illness needs to be considered on a one-to-one -one basis. So if someone already has a fever or other health concerns, talk with your provider to see about is it best to delay this or should you just go ahead and get the vaccine? We don't want to mix up the vaccine side effects with your illness. We want to make sure you're perfectly healthy. Thank you, Ms. Morse. This is great information and good things to know. This brings me to my next question. We've heard a lot in the news about the COVID-19 boosters being approved and released. What do they do and who should be receiving them? Boosters work to augment or increasing a waning immune system up to a more protective state. Or the boosters can also help to maintain your pre-existing immune status for a longer period of time. Most people's antibodies can wane over time or decrease, and that all depends upon your individual immune system. Once an antibody drops below a protective level, that can leave you a little bit more susceptible to either an infection or a reinfection. Vaccine boosters are the standard of care for some vaccinations, such as the tetanus booster, which we recommend every 10 years. Remember, COVID vaccines, we're still learning what's the best timing on the booster use, because we're doing this in a real-life setting. Now, some people have asked about the differences of the booster. The current recommendation is for a single booster dose of the Pfizer or the BioNTech or even the Moderna product to be given six months after the second dose of mRNA vaccine. Johnson & Johnson or the Janssen vaccine is given two months after their single dose. Pfizer and Janssen are using the same strength as their original vaccine, but Moderna studies tested to see what the strength of a half dose would result in and it resulted in the same boosting of their antibody levels, but it had less side effects. So Moderna gets a half dose from the original. The selectability of a vaccine may differ. Depending upon which vaccine is used will dictate what age you can get. Remember, Pfizer can be used for 12 and older. Moderna and Janssen are for 18 and older. So your facility may only carry certain vaccines. And if you want one specifically, there are ways you can find out where to get that specific vaccine. There are some other storage and handling differences, but this is for the immunization staff, and it doesn't affect the booster efficacy. Now, you will find that some individuals, such as those that have moderate or severe health issues, CDC may recommend a third dose four weeks after the second dose. This is different from the booster. This is because those individuals have a weakened immune system and it's not just trying to increase the antibody protection that we see with the booster. You can go to the CDC website to get more information on this. 
Now, who should receive a booster? As I just mentioned, Pfizer or the BioNTech and the Moderna vaccines are given six months after the second one. CDC websites say eligible individuals can be those 65 years and older. If you're 18 years and older and have an underlying medical condition, or you're living in a long-term healthcare facility or setting, or you work or live in a high-risk group setting. There are some people who also have preferences for different vaccines, and that's the individual's right. CDC now allows for the mixing and matching of booster doses, stating that you can choose which one you want. And what I'm talking about is, say someone got Moderna as their two-dose primary series, and now they want a Janssen vaccine. They can do that. But remember, CDC does not recommend mixing the primary series. If you're getting the mRNA and you're using Pfizer, get the first two with the Pfizer dose. Or if you're using Moderna, use the first two with the Moderna. Then you can select which booster you may want. It's important to understand that the need for the booster does not suggest that the initial dose of the vaccines were ineffective. All the boosters are doing is to reinforce the existing immunity created by the initial series of the vaccine to a more protective level. So, Ms. Morse, with regards to our kids, what is the status of federal approval for pediatric shots? Why should our children receive the COVID-19 shot? All this changed as of yesterday. Pfizer, the BioNTech, was already being offered to our children teens ages 12 and up under the EUA authorization, and it was licensed for those 16 years old and up. Yesterday, or most recently, the FDA issued an emergency use authorization for the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine for children ages 5 to 11. The ACI committee then met, and then the CDC director sent out a media alert advising that the ACIP and CDC are endorsing this vaccination for our children 5 and 11 years old. This approval and recommendations were the signal that we in the military needed to begin the administration of this vaccine, and this includes for the civilian population also. To be clear, this is only for the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine and this is under an emergency use authorization. Moderna and Janssen child and teen clinical trials are still ongoing, so we don't have their doses. It's only Pfizer. Now, military facilities distribution of the vaccine, many have already received some of the initial vaccines, so they will be starting to allow children to come in. Each facility has looked at a number of patients that they have in this age group, put their orders in, and like I said, have already received some of the vaccines. And just as the flu, the prioritization was given to the areas where patients don't have access to the vaccine outside the MTF, such as overseas. But DOD is under the federal jurisdiction, just like the state, and so they are getting the vaccine. So why should our children get this vaccine? As I said, Pfizer is the only one that's approved for children 5 through 15 under an EUA and licensed for 16 and over. 
And the reasons why is our children are catching this vaccine just like the adults were. They're transmitting the disease and its variants even though they have no symptoms. The vaccines will help protect them, their families, their friends, and others who might be more susceptible to the disease itself. The virus can also cause severe complications, such as a multi-system inflammatory syndrome that we've seen on the news media with our children. This requires ICE care and their long-lasting symptoms, just like our adults, long hauler syndrome is its nickname for adults. And unfortunately, it can even cause death. And this death can be within a matter of days. So the healthier our kids are, the less disruption that they'll have to their daily lives, activities, schools, sports, and the less stress on the family members. I want to encourage parents to talk to their health care providers, not only for themselves, but discuss their children's health and any concern they have about vaccination. There's really a need to be open discussion between parents, children, and their medical team so that everyone is reassured in the decisions that they make. And these decisions will affect that individual, that family, and their community. Thank you, Ms. Morse, for providing us with these valuable updates on COVID vaccines and all the information. Did you know, as a member of AUSA, you have access to many benefits. From car rental to entertainment discounts, the opportunities are ample. Visit www.ausa.org benefits to learn more. Lieutenant Colonel Ellison, just speaking about shots with Ms. Morse, can we kindly turn our discussion to the flu season? Why should my family and I get our flu shots? Is there a reason why it's especially important this year? You know, that's a great question. This season, it's really important for as many people as possible to get the flu shot. And I say that for a few reasons. So first is the ongoing COVID pandemic. Now, while it might be obvious that the flu vaccine isn't going to protect you from COVID, getting the flu vaccine is the best way to keep you from getting the flu. And if you don't get the flu, you don't have to go see your doc because you don't have flu symptoms or worse. You don't end up in the hospital due to a severe case of the flu. With COVID-19 out there taxing healthcare resources, getting the flu overburdens that healthcare system. So by getting that flu vaccine and not getting the flu, you don't have to go see your doc. You don't overburden the resources. And you, as a consequence, don't also get exposed to COVID-19. So that's the first reason. Another reason I think it's particularly important this year is based on last year's flu season. So last year's flu season was really mild, probably in large part due to mask wearing and the social distancing policies that were in place. And while it's great that we didn't experience a dreaded twindemic last year, experts are concerned that we're potentially facing an increased threat this year. Because less people were exposed to flu virus last year, we didn't build up those typical low levels of immunity from exposure to the virus. The concern is that since it's been a while since we last encountered a flu virus, that our immune systems may be as able to deal with it naturally. Essentially, we didn't pay into our immunity accounts last year, and now we have a bit of a debt this year. 
as we see restrictions ease and we start to see people being able to socialize together again without masks and other restrictions in place, that flu virus is going to have a greater opportunity to circulate due to this lessened immunity and will be more likely to contract it. So getting the flu vaccine is the best way to address this immunity debt and protect yourself and your family, as well as to lessen the overall spread in your community. And lastly, it kind of goes back to my first point in that if you don't get the flu, you don't end up having to go to the clinic or to the hospital and get exposed to COVID-19. Data shows that it's possible for folks to contract both COVID-19 and flu at the same time. So essentially, if you catch the flu and you have symptoms, your immune system is diminished, and that makes you more susceptible to catching just about any other thing out there to include COVID. So you don't have to put yourself at risk by presenting to a healthcare platform and exposing yourself to others who may have COVID. Now, I understand completely. Many beneficiaries out there may be feeling a bit of vaccine fatigue just due to the push for the COVID-19 vaccines, but it really doesn't make the flu vaccine any less important. In a typical flu season, we're going to see across the nation 13 million people hospitalized for complications of the flu. If the models are correct this year regarding what is going to be a compensatory resurgence due to that immunity debt that we talked about earlier, that number could be far worse this year. So I urge everyone to go out and get a flu shot. I know I have, and so is my family, frankly. Now, keep in mind, when we talk about flu vaccine, it's particularly important for beneficiaries who are under the age of five and for those who are over the age of 65. And then also for folks out there with underlying health conditions like asthma or heart disease or diabetes, anybody with a suppressed immune system, because they fall into categories that are more likely to develop complications from the flu that lead to hospitalization. So if you fall into one of those categories, it's even more important for you to go out and get a flu vaccine. And the last kind of special category that I'd want to talk about is that pregnant people need to receive the flu vaccine. Not only does it help protect the mother, but it also helps protect the baby even after they're born, thanks to the antibodies that the mother passes to the baby. So super important. To sum all that up, yeah, it's super important this year, probably more important as we see social and mask wearing restrictions being relaxed. If you have concerns about whether or not you should do it, I encourage you to talk to your doctor or to your pharmacist about it and get those concerns resolved and get out there and protect yourself in this community. So, sir, are there any side effects that beneficiaries should be on the lookout for? Yeah. So, first, I'd like to say about flu vaccines that we give a lot of these things, and we've given them for a long time. And in an overwhelming majority of cases, we found them to be safe with no serious adverse or bad reactions. Now, that said, just like any other medical product out there, people can have a serious reaction or an allergic reaction to a flu vaccine. But that happens very rarely. And when I say rarely, I'm talking on the order of about one in every one million shots. More commonly, beneficiaries could expect to experience some pain or redness at the injection site. I mean, that's probably not shocking to anybody out there that when you get a shot with a needle, you might be a little sore there. That's normally easily resolved just by moving that joint a little more frequently. You might also experience some mild flu-like symptoms, such as a headache or just overall kind of feeling fatigue. And those side effects are typically short-lived. The flu vaccine does not give you the flu, but it might make you feel a little bit like you have a mild case of the flu. And that's just your immune system spinning up and creating some long-lasting protection there. Okay, so when it comes to where beneficiaries can receive their shot, how should individuals schedule their shot? You know, the easiest answer is to check with your service and military treatment facility. 
as of today, over 95% of the DOD's flu vaccine order has already been shipped to MTS. So it's highly likely that flu vaccine is already currently available at your local MTS. To make it easier for you to plan your visit to the MTS to get a flu shot, the DHA appointing portal has been updated to include scheduling your annual flu shot in addition to what it already had on there, which was scheduling your COVID vaccination. You know, it's probably important to know that if you haven't already received the COVID vaccine, you can get both the COVID vaccine and the flu shot at the same time. So, you know, why not take advantage of the fact that you can schedule that appointment on the DHA appointing tool and make that happen at the same time? Beyond just the MTF beneficiaries, including active duty service members, there's sometimes confusion there. So all beneficiaries of TRICARE have other options included in their TRICARE benefit to include getting vaccinated at a participating TRICARE network retail pharmacy, or in some cases, even a civilian doctor's office. The only thing we'd say there is if you choose to get vaccinated outside of the military health system or an MTF, we strongly encourage everyone who does that to bring in a receipt of this vaccine to their MTF so that they can have their records updated to reflect that protection. Great. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel Ellison, for educating us on flu shots. And I am happy to say that myself and actually my family has already received our flu shots. That's great, Holly. So, Mr. Schneider, it is that time of year again. Can we kindly talk about TRICARE Open Season? What exactly is it and when does it occur? Thank you, Holly. TRICARE's annual open season began in 2018, giving beneficiaries who are not active duty and are eligible for or enrolled in TRICARE Prime, TRICARE Select, or the U.S. Family Health Plan an opportunity to enroll or make changes to their health plans outside of having a TRICARE qualifying life event. Open season does not currently apply to use premium-based plans of TRICARE Retired Reserve, TRICARE Reserve Select, or TRICARE Young Adult. These are continuous open enrollment programs for eligible beneficiaries. TRICARE Open Season is a set time to review you and your family members' current health plans, consider your needs for calendar year 2022, and learn about your coverage choices. It also shows you the cost for the upcoming year, so individuals have the chance to examine pricing and make the most cost-effective choice for themselves. This time also includes the Federal Employees Dental and Vision Insurance Program, also known as FedVIP, which is managed by OPM. Your eligibility for FedVIP depends on your beneficiary status. You'll need to be enrolled in a TRICARE health plan to be eligible for vision coverage. This year, TRICARE open season begins on Monday, November 8th and ends on Monday, December 13th. Changes made during this time go into effect on January 1st, 2022. For example, if you were changing from TRICARE Select to TRICARE Prime, you would remain covered by TRICARE Select through December 31st, 2021. We do encourage everybody to at least look at your TRICARE plan coverage choices every year. You may choose to do nothing, and that's fine, but make sure that you're making that a conscious decision each and every open season. So, Mr. Schneider, I'd like to ask you, if I'm eligible to take part in TRICARE open season, what are my options? Basically, you have three options. The first would be stay in your plan. If you want to stay in your current plan of TRICARE Prime, TRICARE Select, or the U.S. Family Health Plan, you don't have to take any action. You'll continue in your current health plan through the next year or as long as you remain eligible for TRICARE. Your second option is to enroll in a plan. If you're eligible for TRICARE Prime or TRICARE Select or the U.S. Family Health Plan, but you are not currently enrolled, this is your opportunity to enroll in a plan. If you've made a change in your life 
maybe you had other health insurance and you've chosen now to assume some TRICARE support instead, you can enroll in a plan possibly as part of a QLE and get coverage effective immediately instead of waiting for January 1st. Your third option is to change plans. If you're already enrolled in a TRICARE Prime option or TRICARE Select, you can switch health plans. You can also switch between individual and family enrollment if you have not previously done so during a qualifying life event, such as marriage or having or adopting a child. For example, maybe you're in a plan and you didn't change it when you moved, and now you've been in the area and you've decided you do want to change your plan, this is your chance to do that. Thank you, this is good to know. Since we're going into the open season starting on November 8th, as you mentioned, is there any advice you have for service members and their families? We want to remind beneficiaries going into open season to update their DEERS records with any new information, such as phone number, email, or address changes, before they go and update their plans. Also, if you will turn 65 and become Medicare eligible during 2022, please ensure that your DEERS information is updated and correct, and that you sign up for both Medicare Part A and Part B when first eligible. This is generally three months prior to your birth month. This is essential in order to ensure that you do not have a break in coverage as you transition from TRICARE Prime or TRICARE Select to TRICARE for Life coverage. Okay, I have one last question on open season, please. Where can I go to get additional information about open season? For that, the best initial resource is to visit the TRICARE website. That's available at www.tricare.mil slash open season. Additionally, there's a TRICARE podcast where beneficiaries can learn more about TRICARE. This can be found both on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And remember, if you're in a plan and you want to stay in it, you don't have to take any action. Great. Thank you, Mr. Schneider, for explaining the TRICARE open season to all of us. Lieutenant Colonel Ellison, Ms. Morris, and Mr. Schneider, I have enjoyed our discussion today. Before we wrap up today's podcast, would each of you like to provide any final thoughts to our listeners? Lieutenant Colonel Ellison, sir, let's start with you, if you don't mind. What I'd like to just say in closing is, you know, if you're six months of age or older, I encourage you to get your flu shot. It's potentially going to be a bad season this season, and the best way to protect yourself, your family, and your community is to make sure that we get as many people vaccinated for the flu as we can. And I'd like to say everybody should also get their COVID vaccine. Again, the restriction from the CDC in using COVID vaccine with other vaccines is lifted, so you can get whatever vaccine you needed, regardless of how many there are. And it is important. If you have any vaccine questions, the DHA Immunization Healthcare Division has a 24-7 worldwide clinical support line available at 877-438-8222, or you can also go to our website and research and find contact information at www.health.mil backslash vaccine and I look forward to answering anybody's questions and hearing from you. And I'd just like to underline that the dates of the TRICARE open season are from Monday, November 8th, ending Monday, December 13th. Outside of this, your options are only if you have a qualifying life event, such as moving homes or a change in your family makeup, as mentioned earlier, having children or getting married, things like that. 
For most people, this is your opportunity to make a change. So please review during those dates and make sure you take action if you choose to take action. Well, thank you for those wonderful tips. Well, our time has come to an end, and it's time to close this episode of Family Voices Podcast. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel Ellison, Ms. Morse, and Mr. Schneider for sharing your time, knowledge, and expertise with us today. The information you provided to us is truly appreciated and so very valuable. Thank you for your continuous dedication to all our service members and their families. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode and thank you for joining us. No matter where you are or what you are doing on your journey, let us be your eyes, ears, and voice. We are here for you. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army day. Hua. <laughs>